0: the child care bar and girl podcast the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast i'm jeff johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the gulf of mexico from from the bitterly cold freezing um inspired ec studios or her house i can't tell um we've got yeah. nicole uh, we got nicole halton from inspired ec how you doing nicole
1: I'm great. Other than cold. Oh, I'm you've great. taken actually, your you've taken
0: your gloves off.
1: I have taken the gloves off. I've Must warmed up enough that I thought I could take the gloves off. Um <laughs> I've still got I've still got the slippers on or the Aussie Ugg boots. I've got those on and I've got a blanket over me as well. <laughs> <It's> so chilly. <laughs> but you know, well. other than that. You
0: gotta, you gotta, we're gonna, we're gonna get into a uh, mm. uh, staffing conversation mm. in a moment, but you gotta, you got a quiz for me. Um, I, I, do. I, I didn't, I... this is a, this is a pop quiz. I had no time to prepare for it this. Is. So uh...
1: yes, you cannot <clears throat> have prepared. Um, it, I just figured every now and then, since I'm here for the Australian accent and I figure I should bring the Australian content every now and then. So I prepared. Um, okay. So it's a quiz on the collective name for different types of Australian animals.
0: Oh, okay, okay right. yeah. So
1: um, I'll give you an animal and I'll give you three options for what the collective name might be, all right? Okay. So we've got wombats. We could have a parade of wombats, a mob of wombats, or a wisdom of wombats.
0: Um, I'm going to go with mob, although it's probably wisdom.
1: It is a wisdom. How great's a wisdom of wombats? Like you don't think of wombats as being very wise creatures. Like what is a wisdom?
0: No, you think of them as being a mob. I didn't have I didn't have a lot of wombat experience, but they, they seem more mobby to me.
1: They're, they're a little bit antisocial, actually. They tend to be a little bit isolated, but I still don't think of them as very wise. They're like a brick. Like they, they're just they a
0: must... big solid thing. They they must have a good PR uh, representation. Yeah. They've got it's they've so got a good public relations uh, person. So so uh, and, and, and look maybe do they do they like grant wishes or anything? If you maybe
1: if you, if I don't if, know. If you, they're, if you, they're very elusive. You don't come across many in the wild, so it's tricky. It's tricky they to get a poop
0: weird too, don't they?
1: They do, They poop cubes.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Cube listeners. Cube.
1: Poop. okay i'm gonna give that a try
0: time. give that a try i mean
1: <laughs> okay the next one is sharks because we've got plenty of those all right we could have a tiding of sharks a paddle of sharks or a shiver of sharks
0: oh it's got to be a shiver
1: it is a shiver and all i feel right, like that's when you, know, right. when you think about it it's like oh gosh yeah okay i've got one more okay a echidna's echidnas are they a mob a parade or a tiding
0: i gotta go mob no oh echidnas are be... a
1: parade They're yeah. a parade of echidnas so the other ones that i had were kangaroos were the mob magpies are a tiding um and the platypus is a paddle of platypus
0: a paddle of platypi <laughs> <laughs> what's yes. the plural of platypus is it platypi or is it platypus i
1: say platypi i say platypi i don't know whether I think it, it actually... should be platypi <laughs> i think it should um another good one's a bask of crocodiles um and there was one more that... oh and the only one that doesn't seem to have one is a koala they don't actually have a collective so you could invent uh, your own
0: because they i mean they're um a a chlamydia of koala <laughs>
1: He could he could yeah. have that because
0: they've all they've all got chlamydia don't they or something yeah. don't they
1: a lot of them do yes yes yeah. yeah. hey
0: I got an Australia question I've been listening to a a a bunch of podcasts produced in Australia and uh and hosted by Australians and um I've been enjoying their swearing um although there are two words that i hear all of the time on this podcast that uh i can't i can't say uh, although they're they're pretty common swears apparently in in the australia um oh, man. do you know which ones I i'm mean, talking got- about
1: well i could take a guess but i, I don't know does There's one the- start with a
0: C? yes it's a four-letter yeah. C and it word. Ends in a T. Yes, and <laughs> and the other one starts with a T and ends with a T. Four letters.
1: Uh,
0: so it's a W in there.
1: Oh right, yeah. Yep, well, yeah, well, they're pretty pretty interchangeable, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 from from my trips over there, that they were very common in Bunnings or Woolies or wherever. Um, but um, you can't you can't see them on this podcast, I don't think, can you?
1: Uh, well, I probably wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I would say they're very common they tend to be more common and without being gendered they tend to be more common in like male workplaces like
0: well sure just
1: out they come easy yeah whereas you know for most for most females you tend to have to be really pushed into saying one of those
0: oh well uh, not in the podcast i've been listening to there's uh
1: what have you been listening to I'm i i can't now.
0: i can't discuss i can't discuss my listening my listening habits listening that's habits. Uh, that's yeah that's private um so, <clears throat> so oh and i heard i I read it i read a news article about australia today too um some some uh some uh in 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 adelaide a bar got in trouble because they had a they had a promotion going on that got them got them got them in in trouble have you seen this in the news
1: i don't think i have
0: oh i made the news over here apparently there's a bar in adelaide that was uh giving discounted uh drinks to 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 female uh patrons based on um cup size um wow. yeah and uh uh they they had to stop doing doing that it's a
1: little problematic
0: yeah I, well i i think i mean i think it's only a problem if they they limit it to, to female patrons i think if they start allowing male patrons to participate <laughs> I like, too hey, i think it'd be i think it'd be good because i think i would get a fairly decent discount i i think um so i don't know I don't,
1: You're too fit now
0: well well thanks but uh you know it's a, it's a good size <laughs> i could i could fill up a a, a C cup, I think. Um, on, in my <laughs> private time. Um, anyway, Sounds like you know, not think. Well, you know, sometimes a guy <laughs> likes to feel pretty. Um, anyway, they got in trouble for that. So now that we're eight minutes into this episode, uh, what are we talking about?
1: Um, I think we're talking about the mass exodus of people from the early childhood sector.
0: Yeah, so what's up with that? Yeah.
1: A little bit depressing so I don't know if it's quite the same in the US but I'm gonna hazard a guess that it's probably pretty common here there and elsewhere in the world we're noticing a massive move away from early childhood a lot of people leaving the sector um, particularly in the last probably 12 months Um, and I would say a lot of it's um, well I think a lot of it's kind of COVID hangover um, so for us here, we our early childhood services pretty much continued operating all the way through. They didn't close. Um, so educators were going to work still. Some of them had their own children at home, trying to homeschool, but then they were also having to go to work themselves. They were, you know, quite kind of, I suppose, on the front line, for that, that phrasing that gets used all the time. And yet there was no real, you know, there was no real gratitude there there was no shift in financial um, status Um, and it's something that in Australia we've been fighting for for a long time is for you know increases to the award to be able to actually get paid a decent amount you know we've got educators in our system who are qualified they could work in a school if they chose to and if they worked in a school they'd get significantly more pay than they do working in early childhood so it's just that lack of value I suppose of early childhood education but I've noticed that particularly the last six months just how many people and I see it in a few of the like we've got a few Facebook groups and stuff here that um, you know educators will kind of post questions and whatever and I think probably on average you're getting at least 20 a week where people are saying I want to leave early childhood, what other jobs could I do? Or, you know, I, I think I need to get out of my service. I think I need to leave early childhood altogether. Like, it's just really, really common at the moment. And I just, I I really worry that we're actually going to have no one left soon. <laughs> we're just going to be left with no one.
0: Well, um, on, on the bright side, uh, birth rates are down... Uh, pretty much all across the 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 modern world uh, to below replacement levels in a lot of countries uh, like Japan I, I think, down because I feel like well,
1: they apparently people aren't people food. aren't
0: aren't uh, pumping out enough babies um, because well I mean there's probably all kinds of reasons um, financial. Well, yeah, financial people, people who worry about global warming are worried about global warming. I mean, everybody's got their, their, I mean, look, living without kids is a lot easier than living with kids. (laughs) And so people are making bad (laughs) choices. There's, I mean, yeah, there's all, there's all kinds of reasons, but I mean, the, I mean, here there, there are, there are communities that are going to be closing down school buildings because there just aren't as many kids in the communities um oh, wow. and that's that's just is going it, to is
1: it a shift though but from like is it a, to do with where people are choosing to live or is it that they're just not populating like, oh it's probably it's probably it's probably
0: or? both but um there there are just there are just oh, in in the coming to, coming couple of decades there're just going to be fewer kids so mm. the the staffing problem in early learning programs is is partially going to take care of itself because of that I would guess, um, but, but I know
1: here at the moment, like we are, we're on struggle street. So sure. one of our, we've got an ush or two ush services. So like after school care for school age children, um, and to get staff for that service or those two services is just an absolute nightmare. To get qualified staff wow. is just non-existent. They just don't exist. We finally got one that we went, oh yes, that might be good. They want way more above the award like money than what we can possibly pay them. Like you could possibly couldn't justify it because they can get that elsewhere. Like at the moment, they're starting. You know, people are starting to now make demands <laughs> because they're like, "Well, I want this. I want that." I was at a service recently, and they were telling me that uh, another local service was apparently offering anyone who became a new employee a new iPad. Like a personal iPad, you know, they were offering all these incentives to try Signing and staff. Yeah, because they're so so short, and you know, it's it's just tricky. Like we had to close one of our services the other day because we literally couldn't staff it. We had too many people off sick, and we went. We actually can't operate. <laughs> we don't have a human to operate that service. You know, that's concerning. And then the parents get shirty about it, which is understandable but it's like it's that vicious cycle well they also get cranky if you put up the fees but if you don't put up the fees then you can't afford to pay people and you know like there's that whole whole vicious cycle i don't know how much involvement your governments have in early childhood but ours haven't done a great deal in recent years and i think they're starting to talk about it but it's probably going to be too little too late
0: well look i am a i i am a small government Person, so I think government across the board does too much already, and and I would argue that that the the interfering and planning and demands and regulations that are imposed by by government actually add to the cost of childcare yes. because every time you have a, a new regulation, you have have a new expense, and so yes. the same people who are complaining about the The cost of of early learning programs are the people are are a lot of them are the same people who drove up those costs over the last over the last 20 years, because the the more regulations programs have to deal with, the more hoops they have to jump through, um, the the more more mandates they have to meet, the more expensive it is to run their programs. And that means it's harder to pay for things like like people. And oh, I oh, think that's you...
1: interesting that you say that because one somebody actually commented um, when we shared this post on our page. Someone actually commented and said, "It's the paperwork that's what's killing us." You know, like there's all these added requirements, like regulatory requirements, and you know we're spending so much time on paperwork that we then don't get to spend the time with the children and we're losing any sense of joy because I didn't sign up to be an administrator I signed up to work with children to be an educator sure. to have that connection with children and I'm getting taken away from that with all all the hoops that you do need to jump and so I think there are a lot of people who that and look you know I understand why we have regulation because you know we've seen it here over the years with services who have done really dodgy shitty things and you know children children's safety and well-being has been compromised so I think there is an element of necessity but it's as you say it's that constant adding and changing and you know everything being tweaked all the time and that interference that requires you to then, oh well, I need to release a staff member so they can go and learn about the changes. Then I need to give them time to implement the changes. Then we need to review our policies and then we need to do this and that. And by the time you've done all of that and you've paid all of that money as a service to do that, then a new change comes in and you start back at the beginning again. Sure.
0: And and I will I'll go so far as to say that um even even the the educational requirements that some programs have for staff drive up that cost. So yeah. if you require somebody with a, a four year degree to work in your infant room, you, you gotta pay, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta pay them for that. Um, and throughout human history, uh, most infants and toddlers have been successfully cared for by people who did not have four year degrees. So this is kind yeah. of a, a new thing. Um, and and again, it drives up that expense, and and what that does when the expense gets to and, and so this is well, Jeff, that's for quality. We want better quality, and and okay, great. Um, except when we drive up the expense, parents look for things they can afford, and every community, I don't care if you're you're in Newcastle, Australia, or here at the beach with me, every community has an underground childcare network. <gasps> Absolutely, um, where there's where there's un, unregulated care taking place because yep. um, there is a demand for it. The market calls for it because parents can't afford the quote unquote quality stuff, and so some of those efforts at quality have have um, not only not been successful, but have maybe been counteractive. Um yep. and so if and we I would. Think- you say about that,
1: that unregulated childcare and stuff. Like, I think that's definitely happening. But I think people are also starting to look at more creative ways of, you know, whether it's, you know, if they share with a friend who, you know, I work this day and I'll look after your kid and you work that day and you look after my kid and, you know, we'll kind of share that that load a little bit. People are looking at, for creative ways of doing that, which is fine, except that then children are missing out on opportunities for you know, quality early childhood education, which we know is important because we've driven up the cost so much and because we're running out of people to
0: do that work. Well, sure, sure. And I mean here here in the states, there are there are states that um like like if for for doing home based care, for example, you you have to serve a minimum number of kids before you have to follow the regulations. So if you have if if you're doing care for for three or four kids, for example, you don't in some places you don't meet that that requirement that you have to follow the regulations. And so if you're working if you're working in a center in one of those sta- those those states, and you can you can you talk to three families in your program that hey hey leave the center, I'm going to quit my job. You bring the kids to my house. You end up making yep. more money. Yeah. Um and and the the quality may or may not be be, be good but um yeah. there's 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 that that over regulation over look a- any time you build a bureaucracy around something you drive up the costs and and so here there are states that are putting money into into licensing people and support staff and and all this other stuff all this regulatory stuff that that could if, if all the if that layer of bureaucracy was cut out. And look, we've got listeners to the show that work in that layer of bureaucracy. And there are there are good people doing those jobs. Yeah. But that drives up the cost. Yeah. And um that that's, that's 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 it's it's tough. It's it yeah. really is.
1: And I think there's people who, you know, because of that that level of you know regulatory compliance and you know are are walking away from it because it just all feels too hard you know it just feels not like what they signed up for or not like what they thought it would be and you know I think there's an element of that which you know working when I started as an educator I well when I first started my course I thought oh it's all just people who want to play in sand pits and do finger painting and change of your nappies I did not realize all the other stuff that come with it and obviously when I did I was like oh yes I'm all about this now like I'm you know happy to learn about the brain development stuff and you know I think documentation of learning is important and you know all those kinds of things but I think over time for some people not all but some people have lost sight of the fact that it is a multifaceted job it's not just come in play and go home like there are you know different things that you'll be required to do But I think it's just a combination of things that are wearing people down, you know, it's that it's the high expectations. And I think, you know, a lot of people are telling us that, you know, they're feeling a lot of pressure from families. You know, people are getting abused by families for not doing things a certain way or, you know, like there's just this real combative, you know, everybody wants their child to be number one, I suppose, (laughs) And so there's this real, you know, pressure, I guess, on educators to do that, to make every child, you know, number one and make sure every child's needs are at the top of their list, um, which is impossible. Um, but, yeah, there's just so many, like, pressures, I think, on people, but I don't I don't know what, how we overcome it. Like, I think for us here in Australia, we've, you know, talked about the need to increase wages, you know, because that's That's a big part of the problem. I know when I first became a director of a service, I also had a part time job, you know, scanning groceries, and I earned more money doing that per hour than I did running the service. And that's disheartening. If it wasn't for the fact that I was passionate about it, there's no way I would have stayed. You know, I wouldn't stay based on the money. Sure. I stayed for other reasons. And I think unless people know their other reasons and can keep coming back to those, then you know, I think unless you've got a really strong, why am I doing this? Why am I here? It's very easy to walk away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think one of the, look, nobody wants to talk about this side of it either, but one of the ways that wages and early learning can go up is to have thriving economies in communities. If yeah. communities are thriving, then pay goes up for everybody. Yeah. Um, parents can afford to pay more for childcare if they are earning more. And so look, the pandemic didn't do anything, I, I mean, to, to help. Um, no. but, but the, the econ- economy here has been a, a hot mess for mm. three or four years now, um, yeah. when it had been, it had been thriving and the, the more you can have a thriving, economy with parents working and earning good livings the more you can pay your early learning people um and so having government take their their foot off the gas and get out of the way and allow businesses to do business might be a a step in the the right direction as yeah, well that but <laughs> yeah that, that's well, I think probably too, not going to happen well, think,
1: though no but i think it's it's the money, but it's also, it's more than the money. I think for a lot of people, if you work somewhere where you're truly valued and where, you know, like you're given opportunities for learning or you're, you know, like it's not just about the figure in the pay at the end of the week. So for me, you know, I always, when I did work in a service and, you know, as I say, I could earn more scanning people's groceries I used to think, but what else do I get here? You know, and I get the opportunity to, you know, to have my staff meetings paid for, which I wouldn't get at another service. There were other services that didn't do that, and there's a lot of services here now that don't do that. They expect their staff to show up, unpaid. um, paid. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I like to think about all the other little things that you can do as a service provider to keep your staff feeling happy where they are, because you know money's important but satisfaction and you know that sense of well-being is just as important you know and I think unless people feel that I think that's where money is often the cop-out not the cop-out but like I think a lot of people will use that as the I'm leaving because of poor wages and I don't think that is the sole reason people are leaving I think a lot of people are leaving because they're you know in in places where the workplace culture sucks And they're being expected to take work home or they're being, you know, they're in gossipy, bitchy workplaces and, you know, like there's whatever it is. But the culture sucks. And I think unless you get the culture right, if you can get the culture right, even if you can't, you know, because as a small business owner, I know how hard it is to go, well, we'd love to pay you extra, but we actually can't afford to pay you extra. Yeah. But what else can I do for you that's going to add value to your work and to your life? You know, whether it's that you get to finish early on a Friday or that you, you know, whatever it is, it's yeah, yeah. Well, I just, think it's just, just finding, having those
0: other things. Having a workplace where you don't feel miserable showing up is probably yeah. a good thing. Um right. And and building, look, and it's it. Look, when everybody feels miserable, it's really hard to to turn that around too. Yeah. To build a place where where you feel like you're a team, where you feel like there's some consistency. I think one of the one of the things I hear from people that yeah, i hear from people who are struggling is is inconsistencies in their program they do things one way in one room and another way in another room and i i hear from a, a self-selecting group of people but look if there's if there's inconsistencies in in the program philosophy and, and implementation stuff that can that can drive people slowly or quickly insane that uh it says we we're supposed to it says in our 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 pamphlet that we do one thing here and we do this completely different thing here. Um, this isn't what I signed up for. It has people looking for the door a lot of the time too.
1: And even inconsistencies between like educators, you know, I used to work with, um, I used to work five days and had an early childhood teacher who worked Monday, Tuesday, and another one who worked Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The difference between Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday you didn't know if you were coming or going half the time. You'd go to set something up and it'd be like, don't do that. We don't do it like that. And it's like, oh, well, we did yesterday. We did, did like, the, other day. <laughs> the other person yeah. says that that's the way we do it. And as a young educator, you know, a new, young, inexperienced educator, that was really hard, you know, to go, well, I don't actually know what my role is and what I'm supposed to be doing because the way you're both doing it is different to the way our policies and procedures say that we do it. And you're both saying, you're right. But how do I know what to do? Like, it, it, and that can wear you down really quickly. Yeah,
0: that c- becomes stressful and, and mm-hmm. aggravating very quickly.
1: Yeah, and you get resentful. <laughs> you know, like, sure. you start to resent those people that you work with, and you know, I think that, that plays into a large part of it. I just hope that you know, I, I feel like it's a very negative topic, <laughs> but I just hope that people can think about why they do the work that they do, and you know, find the joy in it and want to stay because I think there's so many amazing services and there's so many amazing educators, but at the moment we're, I know for us here in Australia, we're just hearing a lot of negative and, you know, this person's leaving and that person's leaving and, you know, everyone's kind of walking away and it can feel a little bit. I think the problem there is it's going to become a vicious cycle because people leave, which then puts pressure on the people who've stayed because now we've got a shortage. Sure. We can't actually get casual staff or, you know, replacement staff. So we're having to stand children down or close rooms in services or whatever because we can't fill it. But it then puts pressure on the staff who've stayed. And then that pressure becomes too much from them and they're going to want to leave as well. Yeah. So I just hope people can kind of find find the good. And if you're not in a place that is good, find a place that's good, you know, find yeah. the place that you feel like you fit.
0: Yeah. And and I think the, the, I think the solution mm-hmm. is individual programs have to, have to work to turn things around for themselves because, I mean, we can talk about, uh, we can talk about um, um, outside organizations or government coming in to fix things, but, but government, I mean, they, 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 they might, they might put on a hat. Um, that says we care across the uh, yeah. the brim on it for for a little while, but they 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 only care until they get reelected and then they they go they go back to doing what they're doing. And so they, they provide more lip service than real solutions because they, they they don't have a long-term outlook on things. I think the the people that well, saw show these problems... up and they get
1: photographed in a sand pit playing with sure. you know some children sure. while they're in their suit and yeah. everyone goes oh look they do care about
0: early childhood <laughs> and so, nothing so, happens yeah yeah and, and and look that's their that's their their job they have they have short term kind of kind of thinking on things and so the the actual people working in the programs whether it's individual programs or or caregiver support groups you know uh, director groups or whatever that is working together um for for more grassroots problem solving and solutions is probably more likely to to lead to real success I would I would guess but yeah I don't know do you have any other solutions
1: well I put in our blog post um on the topic so it's just on our website um about just some suggestions for services but also for educators so I think for services it's like you know that we need to take time to actually value our educators not about throwing money at them or incentives or bonuses I mean if you can great do it But it's about really valuing them, listening to them, asking if they need support, you know, making sure that they take adequate leave so that they're not burning out, you know, ensuring that they've got time and space to eat their lunch in peace, you know, providing access to quality professional learning and not necessarily saying, oh, I need to send you off to a course, but even things like articles and podcasts and, you know, providing them with that sort of Motivation and inspiration, and whatever, including them in decision making that impacts them, and creating that culture of care and connection. And then for educators, I said that I think a lot of educators need some time to just regroup, um, but they also need to do things like you know eat well and <laughs> drink water, and you know like find the joy in their day, um, and you know ask questions, ask for help when they need it. Too many educators get resentful and don't actually ask questions, but then get cranky about things later. And it's like, just yeah. ask the question or say what needs to be said or question what you don't understand, challenge unethical practices of our colleagues and stand up for children's rights. Um, and, you know, focus on why we do what we do.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, being able to be not, not having to share a bathroom with three-year-old boys, um, is, is a step in the right direction. Back at back in my center director days, when we built our new building, we made sure we <laughs> we built in a a staff bathroom, only only for staff. Parents didn't get That's in there. Fun. Kids didn't get yeah. in there. Only for staff. And uh it's it's amazing how how not having to deal with uh, pee on the toilet seat is is a is a job benefit. I mean, well, or we, maybe less less pee on the toilet seat. I don't I don't yeah, know. I didn't go less. in there. Uh, We
1: created a staff room for that reason. And, you know, it's part of our regulations now that we have a place for, you know, staff meetings Mm -hmm. and whatever. But at that time it wasn't. And we turned, it used to be a garage for all our outdoor equipment. We ended up building a new one of those, built a much bigger one for more outdoor equipment and then turned that into a staff room and You know, it was little things like putting some nice posters up, putting some plants in there. Like they weren't things that cost a lot of money or, you know, even just a whiteboard where people could write, you know, thanks to each other. And, you know, it was a place that was a child-free zone, you know. You could go in there and you could kind of decompress at lunchtime and, you know, have that time away. And that makes a difference to staff wellbeing. I've been in services where I go into their staff room and it's literally a dumping ground for all the junk. Sure. And I think I'm not inspired or relaxed or anything in here, you know, like I, yeah. I just feel like this, I've been shoved in a cupboard <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's not what we want for people. We want people to feel valued and, you know, like their time's important and, you know, that their well is important.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I've said that recently I've been doing a, a deep dive into, into parent handbooks, but I've also been looking at some staff handbooks. Um, and, and one thing that I, I, I really, see lacking and they were lacking back when I was a program director. So, um, I, 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 I should have had this too, but one thing programs lack in their policies and procedures for staff is, is some sort of self-care plan and, and mm-hmm. some sort of policies and procedures around how they are going to, mm-hmm. to support that staff well being and, and having that clearly, um, delineated in, in your staff policies and procedures is a step in that, in that direction about how you're going to, to recognize and address staff burnout, for example, um, and, and keep, Keep people bringing their best selves to the work, and and if if programs focus a little bit more on on those kind of strategies, it does a little bit to alleviate some of the the stress and aggravation that comes with the work, and maybe maybe would help cut down on the turnover a bit.
1: Well, and I think that's it—a little bit of investment as an organization in something that's going to you know promote better well-being in your team, and and it kind of have that that effect. I think, reduces what you're going to spend on recruiting new people or yeah. hiring casuals when your people go off on stress leave or walk away altogether. So I think yeah. that's that small investment, but some people find that hard to do. And, you know, a hard, it's a hard mindset, I think, to, for some people to get into. It's like, oh, I don't want to have to spend money on, you know, paying for their staff meetings or providing dinner when they come for a team meeting. You know, it's like really it'll cost me, what, $100 or whatever to provide dinner, but all of my staff feel valued and like their time is important and that keeps them here. You know, when I was a director, I had really, really low turnover in our service, you know, really low because we did things like that and they weren't always, you know, big expense things, but they were things that showed, hey, you're important and you matter and people didn't leave for that reason.
0: Yeah, and investing in staff retention is 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 always yeah. cheaper than than replacing replacing Absolutely. people. Hey, listeners, you want to vent about your job? Join me for Happy Hour, the fourth Tuesday of the month, 7:30 p.m. Central Time, USA. And uh, we can talk early learning. We can talk shop. You can even show up and use uh use a fake name if you wanna to, wanna to vent about something on the podcast, but don't want your your coworkers to to know what's you. We can totally do that. Um we'll call you. Well, we'll call you whatever. I mean, whatever name shows up on the on uh, on the on the Zoom is probably what we'll call you, but we can even, we don't you know. Anyway, we can keep you anonymous if you want to vent about things. That's what I'm trying to say. Any final thoughts before you wrap it up, Nicole? No. Nope. This, this here has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast. We're, we're up to 1,000 and something now. I mean, we're it's a lot of episodes people um yeah thanks for listening bye-bye bye this has been an explorations early learning upstairs studio production oh